Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. What are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every. Grey's Ever. Now streaming on Hulu. And new episodes Friday. Staying consistent is hard, but it's important if you want to see results. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies right now. And they're one of the only brands that are committed to your health. They only use the cleanest and purest ingredients in their formulas. No seed oils, no preservatives or toxins. Let me walk you through my morning routine. I wake up, make my coffee, and then make sure to fill my water with Symbiotica Pure Hydration before my early morning workout. They source the best ingredients from all around the world, and I've loved every supplement I've tried so far. What's even better is that Symbiotica makes it a breeze to stay on track. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. Ready to feel the results? Head over to Symbiotica.com and use code POD for 15% off your subscription order. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This is Teddy Teapot with Teddy Mellencamp. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi, Jen. Thanks for joining me again this week. Thanks for having me. So I figured we should just talk a little bit about fear. Is fear the unknown or is it fear of death or... Is it just anxiety? Do we need to face our fears? Like, I mean, I have a lot of questions involving fear. Do you have a lot of fear? No, No. I have a lot of anxiety. So I kind of want to clear it up. Am I afraid? Am I fearful? Or am I just like a type A anxious person? Right. And do you, are you fearful for your kids? Like, do you have different fears that surround them? Well, it's not necessarily fear, but like, I don't let my kids sleep over at other people's houses. Why? Just because I can't control it. Right. It's because, and, you know, you hear stories of things that happen to kids on slumber parties. And, you know, I may change my mind when they get older. But, like, when parents ask me, I'm like, no. You're well, you're, your child's welcome to sleep over <laughs> my house when I let them over. You know, like, and I, I it's, it's not that I, it's weird. I never think in my mind, oh, I'm scared that something terrible is going to happen necessarily. I don't even let myself go to that place. Right. Just my husband and I are like, no. Just I, bottom line. Bottom nope. line, nope. We don't need to go down the rabbit hole. I don't need to make this parent feel a certain way, but mm-hmm. just no. And I don't know if it's partially because 
Um, my daughter has some medical things like she has rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. So she has had seizures before and I know how scary they were for me right in the moment. So I don't it's not I don't want to say I don't trust other people, but I don't want to have to put that trust into another parent. Right. You wouldn't be able to sleep. I wouldn't be able to sleep. Mm -hmm. I would be worried. And I mean, I remember that moment waiting for 12 minutes for the ambulance to come the last time. And I'm like, I don't want another parent that this is, I, I, I don't know. I just, I go crazy about it. I just can't even say yes. And my daughter's at the age where she's starting to want to. Right. And I'm like, mm, no, you're welcome to ask your friends to sleep here, but it's not happening. She's like, mom, but it's always one sided. I'm like, well, it's That's always going to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I truly think that some of my fears aren't fears. They're just like logical parenting or life lifing. I, th I agree. But I, I also think that, I mean, there are a couple different thoughts that, you know, like fly through my head during the day worrying about Rocco. And I think, you know, and I, I always think of the worst thing ever. And uh, I try and let it go. Like something's going to happen at the school or there's going to be a fire and I can't get to the school. What's going to happen to him? And that's a real fear because I can feel the anxiety coming on when I start thinking about it. But I then tell myself like, that's not going to happen. Let it go. But it does happen at least once a day. It does. See, that doesn't happen to me. Mine always stem from something. So like if my kids go to sleep with a fever and like I've given them Tylenol or they've gone to the doctor and they've started antibiotics or whatever it is, I won't sleep because I'll need to go down and check multiple times to make sure that they're doing OK. Mm -hmm. But that's because I was given a specific reason. And then I maybe overdoing it because of that reason. But I don't know if that's fear or just like I have all of the information and now I am going to probably helicopter parent a little bit. Well, I think we have to. I, I feel like I have a healthy fear of the ocean and I've always taught Rocco to not turn his back on the ocean. I don't like I, I hated when he would just walk out of the ocean without seeing what's going on behind him. Because the ocean is so powerful and we have no control over it to where I was so fearful of it that I made him wear a life jacket until he was about four or four and a half when we were at the beach, even when he wasn't in the water. Do you want me to make it worse? <laughs> okay, so we were in Cabo and uh, we went down to the beach. We just checked into the hotel. I asked the lifeguard, I said, um, is the flag up that we can swim right now? And he's like, yeah, the flag's up. You're good. We're, you know, because some places in Cabo, you can't swim at all because right. the tides are very strong. So Cruz was still in his life jacket. And then the girls and I just went in. We barely went to our knees. Then there was a drop. And meanwhile, my husband is outside of the ocean videoing us like we're just got to the beach. Blah, blah. And I'm not kidding. We're like drowning. Oh, my God. Like we immediately get sucked under the tide. I remember just pushing the kids up to the top oh and I am like freaking out. <gasps> like I'm like and then I'm trying to yell, but I'm like, I may drown. I'm like, help, Edward, I'm drowning. And he's like, he doesn't realize what's happening. He's like giving us the thumbs up because you can't really tell in the ocean. I end up 
you know, Cruz was the best of us because he had the life jacket on, but he's the most scared. And then the girls, I just kind of push out. And it was just like one of those terrifying experiences where the girls were immediately like, we're cool, but like that mm-hmm. wasn't, that was not, there, there was no chill in that. Like that was no fun. I don't want to go in the ocean. And I'm like, yeah, me either. Cruz was like next level afraid and still is. <sighs> and he was the one affected the least but he was like that was frightening because i think because he was the closest to me and he could sense my fear oh i'm sure like i just had overall like i was like i don't care if i drown right now but these three kids need to be okay and then i walked out and then i was so angry like it went from fear to anger like, how did this happen? How, and then I see them switch the flag, not five minutes <gasps> oh, later. Oh. And I'm like, how did this happen? How could they let a mom and three kids get into the ocean when it's like, and then I, so it was first I was mad at other people. First I was right. afraid. Then I was mad at them. And then I was mad at myself. Why did I just blindly go into the ocean? And, try, you know, and then you start second guessing yourself. And then you get into that entire spiral. And to be perfectly honest, we didn't go into the ocean again while we were on the trip. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. Yeah, we went on the boat and we went in the pool and all those types of things. But we were like, nope. Because uh, when you're in that moment, you just don't know what to do. But that, though, to me, that's not an like irrational fear. Right. That is something that happens from something. We all still talk about it. Like, you know, to this day. It's traumatizing. Like, we're like, remember that time we almost drowned? Like, it was like, it's one of those moments. But I do think that some people have fear of the ocean that that has never happened to them. So that's what I'm confused by. Maybe it's, I don't know. Is it learned from hearing this story? Like, did I, sorry guys, if you're extra scared now because I just shared the story. Nobody's going to go and into the ocean on vacation ever again. Um, here's, here's a question. This is Mark, the producer. Hi, everybody. Um, so there's three... These I think these are facts. We are... Parents today are more umbrella-y and helicopter-y and mm-hmm. snowplowy than ever before. Kids today have more anxiety than ever before. I right. got to believe those are related to each other. And I got to believe that the first one, the anxiety that parents stems from the internet and local news that is only existing to terrify you. Right. Yeah. I mean, also yeah. social media, it's all social over media. everywhere. Right. Every abduction, every terrible thing that happens to somebody is going to be on social media. Right. So I think those three things combine to create, and I don't know what that does to future generations. And, and well, also just the fact that there's apps for everything. The other day, there was a million people, like a million cops driving near my house. Um, the, I was seeing people getting arrested and I uh, had somebody there that I was working with and they're like, oh, do you have the citizen citizen app? And I'm like, no. And they're like, Oh, well, I'll just pull it up. And they pulled it up and they're like, oh, there's a potential kidnapping four houses down. But the fact that you have that knowledge. Right. Every break in, every every armed, you know, burglary or kidnapping or everything. We're just we're bombarded with it. And but then there's no follow up. And then so like I never I went on to check again like two hours later, like what it was. And it never told us. So, like, I tried to, like, get out there and see what was happening. Like, I was, like, walking out, like, trying to see, trying to ask the cops. Nobody, obviously, they're like, get out of the way, crazy lady. (laughs) But I was like, I need to know. Like, I need to know how scared we need to be. But just having all that access. And there were complete strangers that don't even live on the street pulling up that have the Citizen app that chase after these kinds of things. But it's creating, like, our need to know. Mm Mm-hmm. And 
I don't even know if it's just become something in us. It is because even the, so the neighborhood that I live in has a resident Facebook page. And I swear I hear a helicopter for a half a second and everybody's posting what's going on. Who has the hotline number? Somebody call the chopper hotline. Well, number. this is the I next door app too. Are you in the next door? Oh, yes. app? Cause that one is another one that my wife's always like, Oh, you can't, we can no longer uh, pay bills by sending in checks. Like, well, well, so I have to, for the doctor, I had to send a check. <laughs> you can't do that because somebody three blocks over got their mail stolen and they took their checking account number <laughs> and they stole their identity and they emptied out their bank accounts. I'm like, I can't live my life like That's that. That's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm going to use we- my mailbox are we setting up ourselves to not be able to do anything without electronics well yeah and we're we're powerless because we're afraid of the world we're afraid of everything and we're instilling that fear on our children yes know what else i read that one of the biggest fears that we have is loss of being disconnected from our cell phones Mm. right that is one of the like i looked it up it's like that is we can't even imagine and to be perfectly honest when i know my phone is about to die I'm not in a good place. <laughs> not well. 11% battery is a freak I out time. I am like putting it on the low battery. Look, I like need to charge now just even thinking about it. Like why does that, and that's a problem. I mean, we. Ne- I never had a cell phone growing up. And I mean, even the fact that my seven-year-old will has genuinely looked at me and gone like, mom, do you think for my eighth birthday I could get a phone? Mm. No! Like, I don't want you on the iPad. I don't want you on the phone. I don't want you learning. I don't want you becoming, playing roadblocks with, or roadblocks or whatever it is with random strangers. Like, that being said, my parents were like, all right, be back before it's dark-ish. That's a good question, though. So what is that? Did our parents not care? Did they not have the worst case scenario going through their brains at all times? They didn't because they weren't bombarded with it. I really believe news was so different then. But stuff like with Teddy, with, with the, her daughter having a fever down the hall, right. that's the same as it was 50 years ago. I think our parents may have been the same when it came to illness and things mm-hmm. like that. But when it comes to just, I, I thought, it, I still in my mind think it's Los Angeles. But now that I've spoken to more people, they're like, no, right. it's everywhere. But I really, I got up, said hi to my parents, rode my bike to school, would come home by dinner. That was the rule. And there was no way I was checking in or mm. doing any of those things. Like, you got to believe that if there's a day that I'm working and I haven't, I didn't pick up my kids myself, I've got that text already to Dana. I'm like, hey, Dana, everything good? You got mm-hmm. the kids? Are you guys on the way to gymnastics? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I... I have somebody who drops Rocco off in the morning because I'm already at work and she has to text me. Drop off one grade. Yeah. I mean, if I don't hear from her by 316, I'm on the horn. I'm like, all good with the pickup. Like my name's passive aggressive and I'm on one. Like, <laughs> I can't. And then the one, but here's the problem. Then that one time you don't check, something happens. Yes. Nothing terrible, but like, oh, you know, we're calling because, you know, this happened. Cruz forgot his blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, look, this is why I got to be this way. And it just justifies my bad behavior. Yep. But think of that. Our parents let us leave the house in the morning and come back in the evening without <laughs> yes. ever checking in. And they were fine. They, were they didn't have anxiety and freakouts. And we have another problem. Like I can't even do, then like my parents also didn't sit with me while I did my homework. It was like, you just, Oh, that's a big oh. one. Oh. This is a whole separate, well, I, separate no. podcast. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, we need, but like, I, I can't even do my daughter's homework. No, I, I was up to 11 <laughs> last night helping my daughter with hers. Oh, my. Mine's in the first grade. Do you know what that makes me feel about myself?
Like she's like going through her math and she's like, mom, can you help? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to take a picture of it, text it to like my mom friends. I'm like, anyone know how to do these word problem math things? <laughs> Not me. You know, like, but I, that didn't happen. No. Also think about being a teenager. I, I look back and I wouldn't even, I would go out before my mom got home from work on Friday and I wouldn't be home until midnight. I mean, I wouldn't have, she had no idea where mm-hmm, I was. Mm-hmm. I could be anywhere. Right, she wasn't tracking you. No. Your, uh, some sort of find my yeah, phone. Yeah, well, I know. There's no tracker. There no. was nothing. Nothing. I mean, there was like, I, I remember coming, well, I used to tell my mom, like my mom, this was like, kind. I kind of love that she did this because I think I turned out better than the alternative. But all my friends, they had really strict parents, so they would all have to sneak out and to go out. But my mom was like, listen. Just tell me you're going to sneak out so I know and I'll, then I'll let you sneak out. But like, can you just give me because I don't want to wake up and work. And so then it kind of became a thing. I'm like, all right, we're sneaking out tonight, you know, but whatever it is. But I wasn't ever saying where I was going. Right. And if I no was idea. telling where I was going, I was probably lying. Well, like for sure. Really? We're just going uh, yeah. to a field to drink uh-huh. until the like security comes by and yeah. like we run home. Meanwhile, my daughter went to a trunk or treat two nights ago with a family, with a neighbor family that we know really well. What? What is I a trunk or treat? It's a it's a trick or treat, but with people's cars in the oh. church in the parking trunk. lot. Oh, yeah. it's cool. It's yeah. cute. Okay, it's cute. But she was gone for two hours. I must have checked <laughs> the app to make sure she was where she's supposed to be five times in that two hours, just to make sure everything's fine. But it's getting worse. The more the outreach that we have to mm-hmm. check, the mm-hmm. more we want to know. True. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's it's it's the tail wagging the dog. It really is. Like, and it's. I, I, now the control, like I've honestly turned into a complete control freak because of it. Uh, let me see if you agree with this statement I'm going to make. I believe that the world today is the same amount of dangerous as it was 50 years ago. We were just not aware of it. There were child predators then. There are child predators now. Horrible things happen then. They still happen now. Just no one knew about it. Do you agree? I, or has the world gotten more dangerous? I, d- I really don't know because I was so oblivious to it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was always taught, like, don't talk to strangers. Now there's full seminars on how not to talk to a stranger. And (laughs) I think it's so funny you bring that up because I say this all the time that we were told as children, don't talk to strangers. Don't get in a stranger's car. Don't answer the door to a stranger. And sometimes I think, wow, I just ubered someplace home <laughs> and then I postmated something and it's like I'm inviting the strangers to my home now to my home now yeah no there's uh, uh, the level of places we uh, <laughs> right? very good point it's unbelievable <laughs> but I mean even you tell your kids or you tell yourself like oh there's nothing to be afraid of, but there will be the moments that I'm in an uber and it's like really late or something's mm-hmm. happening and I'm like I should text somebody the license plate number (laughs) just in case seeming a little sketchy back here, you know, but then your mind just starts going and then you start Googling who was the last person abducted in an Uber. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is my Uber going to get mad? Cause I said quiet preferred. Like, <laughs> and then you have them drop you off at the house before I yours, know, right? I can't. I got no. I don't want to talk to you. I just want to get home safely. But now I think you're mad. So then I still make small talk. <laughs> don't kill me. Like, what is wrong with us? I know. I know. Uh, 
But yeah, but uh, the number another big fear that everybody had was the fear of being alone for the rest of their life. Ooh. That was a common one. Like uh, a lot of people writing in, you know, I've gotten divorced or I'm an empty nester and my husband's passed away and I have a big fear of being alone for the rest of my life. And you know what? I really understand that fear. I do too, especially if they're they don't have a huge um family or friends that they can reach out to and they're searching and searching and then it makes you kind of feel more alone right when really now we have the opportunity to reach out and be more vulnerable and there Mm -hmm. are apps and things where you can start to communicate with more people but it's you know sometimes our fears are so big in our heads like my husband has a big fear of public speaking um He's an excellent public speaker, by mm. the way. He go- goes and does huge conferences uh-huh. and blah, blah, blah. But like the way he preps is a totally different way that I prep. Like I, if I prep, then I'm a disaster. You see me sometimes at the beginning of the show when I'm prepping. I, I get tongue tied. I lose myself because I have to just kind of go off the cuff. That's who I am as a person. But he is a person that really preps because mm-hmm. of his fear. But then you would never know it. Like he ha- does this amazing speech and he comes down. I'm like... That was incredible. And he's like, you sure? Mm-hmm. I, you know, like I kind of right. went black, like your mind goes dark. Mm-hmm. And that'll sometimes happen to me in press interviews too. Like if we were talking about the show or something like that and somebody asked me something uncomfortable, I will answer and do the whole thing. And then I'll have to come out and ask my publicist, was that okay? And she's like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like blacked it out. Like I got scared and then I don't know how I answered it. Right. Is that fear or is that like fear of what other people are going to think? Mm, it's, that's I think a big it's one. fear of being judged, fear of not saying the right thing, fear of upsetting people. Because right. now people also have an, a, a way to reach you, to tell you you've pissed them right. off. <laughs> Whereas before, that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. That fear of, of uh, being judged by your peers, that's yes. a big one, especially with moms and their kids. And it's like it's almost like with a lot of moms, if the kids grades go down, you're not concerned for their education. You're concerned what the other parents are going to think right. when she drops off the honor roll. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, granted, about you think about you right, as a parent. Because it's yeah. your fault. Yeah, it's yeah, your fault. Well, it's not. But you're taking right. it on yeah. as. But also, we I mean, our kids have started developing. This isn't really a fear, but just things that are uncomfortable. All of a sudden, my daughter told me, can you not kiss me at school anymore? Because right. the fear of what hurt the other kids in her class. The other moms don't walk in. They do drop off. Can you not kiss me at the play? You know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, Ugh. And today she actually gave me a kiss and I like got all excited. I'm like, it's late. I'm like, Thanks. And she's like, this is why mom. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, like, Sorry. but the, that, mm-hmm. it starts so early. It does. Like, what did somebody say to her to make her think I shouldn't give my mom a kiss goodbye at drop off? Yeah. We don't know. You, don't, you couldn't have made that up on your yeah. own, right? When at home, you're the most loving, like cuddling, you know, it's something that somebody has said. Yeah, that's got to be that fear fitting in that all kids go through. And we all remember that moment. How old is she? She's seven. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I went through that older, but still Mm -hmm. every kid goes through that moment. 
when yeah. their parents become embarrassing. I, well, she asked me today, and then I come here like this. She goes, you're going to wear this at drop-off? I'm like, yes. And then I'm going to iHeart, so thank you for making me feel bad about myself. Wow. <laughs> then I'm going to a business office. <laughs> then I had the fear of fitting in here, guys, so sorry. All right, Michael Stevens is on the line. You've seen some of his Minefield videos on YouTube? Yes, I am totally freaked out. I can't wait to talk to him. Michael, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Excited for Halloween. So do you think that the majority of fear is taught or learned? I believe that all fears are learned. I don't think anyone is born afraid of anything. We are, of course, born with these innate aversions, things that are like in our DNA for us not to like. Pain. You don't like pain from the moment you're, you're born. Disease. Falling. We have reflexes that kick in when we fall. Um, and all of those things we're innately averse to, but when we connect something new to those aversions, that's when we have developed a fear. And I, I mean, I just, I looked up before today, the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. But when it comes to pain, that's not false, right? That's real. It's, it's not false at all. And if we weren't averse to pain, our species might not still be here. So, you know, in the right dosages, fear and aversion are really helpful. Right. And what is fear and what's your gut instinct? Oh, man. Um, I mean, they're pretty different things. Fear is this emotional response we develop towards something in our lives. Like, I can become afraid of needles because I start associating pain and disease with them. But a gut instinct, I mean, that's a, I don't know, that's a feeling of, you know, I'm willing to take a risk. I believe in this thing. I'm not afraid of it. Right. So do you think that all fear, I mean, I saw, I I saw your show, so I do know all fear is relating to death. But in my case, I truly feel like I'm more afraid of the unknown versus death. Like with my faith, I'm not really scared to die. I am worried about what would happen to my kids if I were to die, but I'm not afraid of death, but I am deathly afraid of the unknown. Exactly. I mean, that is case in point for why death is not, in my opinion, the scariest thing. Not everyone's scared of it. My grandmother, who recently passed away, was ready. And uh, faith gives you this, this belief that, you know, man, I don't, you know, I'll, when I die, that's God's will. So, you know, take me if you want me, right? There's nothing scary about death to many people. So in the episode, I wanted to find what would even scare those people, because I wanted to find the true, the, the, the true scariest thing. Right. So I have a question about kids, though, because yeah. kids, you know, I've noticed with my seven-year-old that some of his friends aren't afraid of scary movies, something like it, uh, the dark, um, or roller coasters. Yeah. My son is afraid to watch scary movies, is afraid to get on a roller coaster, even though he's had good experiences, and is afraid of the dark. So what is that? I I have no idea. You know, I think it's a good thing, though. It takes all kinds for us to have a society. We need people who are brave and maybe even foolhardy, and we also need people who are cautious. Right. To what extent um, being afraid of roller coasters when you're seven depends on the experiences you've had, mm-hmm. the psychology of, 
you know, your parents and your environment versus just what you're born with, that's still a really open question. Um, right now, there's a lot of investigating of whether creepy crawlies, spiders and snakes, are an innate aversion that we're born with or a thing we learned. I kind of side on learning because there are people who just aren't scared of them. You know, their job is to take care of spiders and snakes and they, you know, yeah. don't that, seem too bothered. Spiders were actually the number one thing. I did an Instagram just like, what uh-huh. are you guys most afraid of? And I'm not kidding. 85% it was spiders. Wow. That just makes me feel bad for spiders, honestly. (laughs) They can't help that they exist. Right. But how do you come? Do you need to face your fears or can you just live afraid of spiders? Well, you know, you can live afraid of spiders. I think it's good to be kind of afraid of things. But once a fear takes over your life, once it makes your life worse um, and it's unreasonable, irrational, now it's a phobia and that's not good. So, you know, exposure therapy can really help. We've all heard about this. Oh, you're afraid of elevators? Well, what you need to do is just ride a bunch of elevators. It'll be tough at first, but eventually it'll become boring and you'll realize, hey, I'm bored, which is the opposite of being afraid. This is awesome. I'm, I'm cured. Well, d- does slight fibbing to your children count? Because my son is scared of elevators, but he is fine if he thinks a professional elevator conductor is inside of the elevator with him. So mm-hmm. I had to tell him that I got my special license so I like show him a little license I'm like look buddy I'm good to operate this elevator blah 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 but that gives him peace of mind because before we came up with that system he would honestly see an elevator or see we would go in somewhere and he'd have an idea that there might not be stairs and then he'd go I don't want to go anymore I don't want to go to Dave and Buster's because I think there's an elevator there and there's not going to be a stair option and but giving him that almost false assurance is enough to get him in the elevator. Yeah, you know, that's fine. I think our lives are built on false, false assurances in a way. <laughs> like, it's going to be fine, you know? <laughs> Expect the, 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 the worst, but prepare for the best, or however that saying goes. You know, we're all, you know, having to have a little bit of faith in things because it might not be okay. But if you focus on that, um, we know it's not going to be a great life. Are we actually addicted to fear? Like, do we love to hate fear? Well, I don't know if I would say addicted to fear. I would say that we really enjoy it and we have been built to enjoy it because it helps our species survive. If we didn't like being scared, we wouldn't practice what it's like to feel threatened. When you see a horror movie, your heart rate goes up, adrenaline pumps, but deep down you know that it's all pretend. Um, But you still get to practice what it's like to have your body in that state of fear and you can, you know, yell at the screen, don't do that. You know, don't go upstairs, blah, blah, blah. You literally are practicing and preparing for when a real threat occurs. And that's really useful. Oh, that's wow. interesting. And because, you know, I've noticed a lot is that we can love parts of something, but fear the other half. So like oftentimes you'll hear people saying, oh, I got a beach house because I love the ocean, but I don't go in because I'm afraid of sharks drowning or getting lost at sea. Uh-huh. Yep. So what, what is that? Oh, man, it is just the fact that we are full of multitudes, right? Human beings are so complicated. That's why I love psychology, because it's never going to be done. I, I believe that we'll find a theory of everything in physics before we figure out what the heck love is, <laughs> let alone fear and why you can love the ocean, but not when you're too close to it or when you're in a boat, you know? Um, 
it, and it's hard to study these things. Psychology is difficult. If I want to study, you know, protons, I can literally smash them together in a particle collider. But I can't smash two people together to look at what's inside. That's unethical. So it's much harder <laughs> yeah. to investigate psychology and, and human behavior. Should fear be seen as a weakness? No, not at all. In fact, it's a strength. It's why we have survived for so long. If we and our ancestors weren't afraid of things, I think we would have taken risks that may have led to, you know, kids not being made, and then kids, and then finally us. So it's an important part of, you know, being able to survive on a planet full of threats, fear. And then how do you overcome in a safe way for some of our listeners who are very afraid of spiders or the dark or elevators, or in my case, I'm very afraid of parking garages. And today I had to switch which parking garage I had to come into. And I was all revved up. Like maybe I shouldn't Mm -hmm. go. Maybe I should park down the street and walk. Like I'd come up with all these things. And I was like, I don't have the time. I just need to pull into this parking garage. But like, how is a way to overcome them? Example, I just went into this parking garage, but sometimes like if I had the time, I wouldn't have. Right. So how, well, if you have the time, then you don't have to go into the parking garage. And it's, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. Um, if you are, then exposing yourself to it safely can really help. You know, go into parking garages, but with friends, right, with people who support you, and you will um, become more and more familiar with them. And exposure therapy like that can reduce a fear. Um, but, you know, I say if you have the time, you don't have to do things you don't want to do. And you shouldn't be afraid unless it actually affects the quality of your, your life and you want things to change. But what if worth- somebody's like become like agoraphobic or those types of things? Do you think those start out small and just turn into a way bigger thing? Like, do you they think certainly it's- can. And, you know, I'm not uh, a psychiatrist, but I can speak from my own life. I think that these things snowball. If you're afraid of going out then you go out less, which means you're exposed to, to strangers and, and people in public less. And it just gets worse and worse. Right. So, it snowballs with anxiety yeah. and all of that. So it's it just, yeah, it becomes bigger. And, and you said that we weren't born with any fears. So is there always an incident that links us to our fears? Yeah, um, there there is. I don't know if it's always just one incident, but um, you know, take the fear of the dark. We are not born with an with an aversion to darkness. Our DNA doesn't contain that, and it's a good thing it doesn't because it's pretty dark inside our mom's wombs. Right? So, yeah. um, but once we develop an imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? Around like the age of two, you know, obviously it varies from child to child, but you start to be able to, as this little kid, go wait there might be something in the darkness that um, is bad, and I can't tell what it is. And now you're aware of the unknown, and you can imagine what might happen, and now you're afraid. So sometimes it's not even an experience. You don't have to be hurt by something in the dark. You can just start imagining that it's possible, and that's enough to become afraid of something. Right. Are our <laughs> dreams and nightmares, are they our subconscious fears? Oh, man, I wish we knew. Um, You know, my favorite theory about dreams is that it's about memory, that it's about um, short-term memory being kind of filed away or deleted. And as these messages are shared between short and long-term memory, um, 
parts of us that are still kind of awake try to make sense of all these things and try to imagine, well, this must be happening. I don't know why, why the, you know, hippocampus is sending me this thing about, you know, my mom. I must be talking to her. And that's what I think that a dream is. When they become scary, um, I wish we knew more. Um, we did an episode of Minefield about trying to actually record people's dreams as movies by looking at how their brain um, acts when they're watching a real movie and then learning how to read their brain state to figure out what they're dreaming. Wow. And it's, it's really crazy. There's a long way to go, but I mean, it's hard to answer a question about our, our, you know, nightmares, our fears when we don't even know what the heck a dream or a nightmare is still. Have you seen that movie Fearless? I just watched it Friday night. It's it's an older movie with Jeff Bridges and where it starts off with a huge plane crash and he ends up fearless. But it was really weird that I watched this on Friday because it was really. Is there such fear. thing as being fearless? And does that just mean I, I mean, in lack of a better word, like, do you no longer have any protection of yourself? Yes. There is, a, there is fearless for real. I haven't seen the movie, but I should watch it. But you should. in, in the uh, documentary, what's the scariest thing? We finally have to deal with a very rare condition where people, um, as they grow up, they have some genetic disorder that causes the amygdala in their brain to um, fall apart, to degrade. And when they're adults, they don't have functioning amygdala. And as it turns out, the amygdala um, is the part of the brain that learns fears. And these people, we know of three of them. They all have pseudonyms. Their identities are not public because it wouldn't be safe for this to be known. But they cannot feel fear. Seriously, you jump out at them in the dark, and they will just be annoyed. They are not scared of my houses. I know it's hilarious, but it's a weird life, and they know that it's wrong. And so this patient called SM came forward, um, and the, the researchers were like, this is incredible. Um, we always thought the amygdala was important in uh, connecting aversions to, to new experiences and creating a fear, and you don't have amygdala, um, so you're right, and you're not feeling fear. There is, however... Still, one thing that even the three people we have found who do not have amygdala can panic over, can actually feel fear over. And so in the documentary, that becomes, the, I think, the best answer for what's the scariest thing. With all of the technology now, you know, when we have Generation Zs and we have millennials and yeah, I think our kids are Zers because they're so little. Are they going to have a different set of fears than we do as, you know, adults? Oh, 100%. There, there's already a brand new phobia that's emerged called nomophobia. Nomophobia, it is the fear of not having a working cell phone with you. Decades ago, that fear didn't exist and couldn't exist. But now there's a new normal. And so we have this innate aversion to the abnormal, but what's abnormal changes as time goes on, as new generations come in. So fears are always evolving. Wow. Thank you. That's so... I didn't even think about that, but all of us are suffering from that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I feel guilty about it, but it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, my dad was afraid of, you know, things that I'm not afraid of because it's not important anymore. Um, but it was when he was my age. So I don't know. Um, it's kind of exciting. Um, but yeah, fear will continue to play a big part in all of our lives. Well, thanks so much for talking to us today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Great being on. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.
If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. What are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every Grey's Ever. Now streaming on Hulu. And new episodes Friday. Okay, we are back now with the king of pain, Rob Caveman <laughs> Oliva. I mean, my very first question, I just need to know why and how did you get into this? That's a very fair question. Um, I think me and my co-host, Adam Thorne, both have a fascination with nature. 
And so we wanted to see what these bison stings can do. We've both been bitten on accident in our personal lives while handling animals. I'm an animal handler. Adam's a, uh, a wildlife biologist. And so we thought we'd take it to the next level. But I don't think we realized... <laughs> how far that next level is about to go. <laughs> well, I have to say, I just watched your snake biting video, which mm-hmm. like now I'm like looking at your arm and I see a little scar. Mm-hmm. I never had a fear of snakes. And then I just watched that and I was like, you know what? I might be sca- on my next hike. Like, I'm not really interested. I don't need, I think you call it a fang. Like, I'm good on the fangs going into my arm. I, I, I How do you, when it's about to happen, mm-hmm. How do you not like run away? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it is very scary, and that's not what we want. We don't want you scared of snakes, uh, but but, <laughs> but we also don't want people just picking them up willy nilly, like you see a lot of people doing nowadays. They think, oh, I saw this on YouTube, and, and this guy was picking up this snake, and then they try to do it, and like, and next thing they're in the hospital or something. So we want to balance. Um, for me, believe it or not, the snake was not the scariest one. We knew how much damage it could do, but Ab and I both love snakes. But we had that sort of informed uh, dread of knowing how bad this bite could go. Okay. Um, Which, for our listeners, how bad could it go? The typical python bite is not going to be too bad. You're talking just some puncture wounds and some, a lot of blood. Hmm. But if you pull away or if the snake decides to twist... <gasps> Then you're talking huge lacerations. You're gonna you're gonna look in the in the arm and see meat and flesh and whatever oh. else wants. To, and that's what it did to Adam. It <gasps> it twisted its its body and just shredded him like a cheese grater. Yeah, it was oh. pretty bad. Mine didn't look so bad, but with any of these projects, there is uh, an element of danger that we cannot really control. Right. And one of the teeth, not really fangs. Uh, Pythons don't have fangs, but they're, they're bigger than snake fangs. <laughs> uh, one of them clipped my ulnar nerve. And that was something we tried to prevent. We did it in an area uh, of a lot of muscle. But these python teeth on the reticulated python are huge. How big are they? Uh, the one we did was 16 foot. Uh, supposedly, they get twice that. Uh, you just don't see that in the wild. We were, we were really lucky to get a 16 footer. Wow. wow. So- or unlucky. <laughs> yeah. But for somebody like, you know, I did a little poll on my Instagram, like number one fear. And surprisingly to me, a number one fear for everybody is spiders. Mm -hmm. And like they are deathly afraid of spiders. Like even the thought of a spider is putting them into a tailspin. How working around animals and working around knowing what they can do. How do you face those fears without being dangerous? Well, it's funny you say spiders, because that was my number one phobia for many years. Believe it or not, a lot of snake guys are terrified of spiders. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, Where 100%. That, where did that phobia come from? I don't know. They're so gross. Come on. Look at them. <laughs> they're like hairy sick. No. Um, yeah, it's just something about these hairy little things that can run around in any direction you can't really predict. You have that, no control over them. Yes. I yes. had, I live in an area in a canyon, and... A year ago, there was a huge brown recluse Mm -hmm. that had built this huge web. So I called one of my friends from Montana because I figured they would know what to do. And he said, put your hair up, put a winter hat on, put a big sweatshirt on, get the broom and pretend you're about the bases are loaded and you have the last hit in the World Series game and let the broom go with it. So I did it, and it worked. You knocked a home run. 
I totally <laughs> gone. So a year, I wasn't so afraid of spiders anymore. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I've got this. I can do this. Because you took control. Well, until like six months ago when I was watering the plants and I look up and there's a huge, same spider, I think. Maybe it was different because I'm still alive. But <laughs> So I tried to spray it with a hose and it fell into no. my hair oh. and I had a jumpsuit on, went down oh. the back of my jumpsuit and started biting my back like 15 times. Oh. <laughs> And I couldn't strip on the like my patio I on a major road. I would have been a nudist. <laughs> <laughs> I ran into the house and I was like, ah! I mean, it was, now I'm terrified. I'm like petrified. If I open the door and I see a spider, I'm like, oh, can't go outside. Can't go to work. <laughs> I, I won't even learn what kind of spiders they are. Like if I see one, mm-hmm. like we've had, we had them kind of bad because I think it was hot. So then we had to have somebody come in and spray. But I don't, I see a different colored one. I'm like, I don't even want to know. Like if I know then I'm going to be in a worse situation than I am now. So I'm just going to pretend that this spider is like not a problem, even though it's bigger than my face. They've been really big. They've been ginormous with this like summer. dots. Yes. But don't tell me what kind it is. But, but, when it comes to animal or when it comes to knowing that something terrible can happen to mm-hmm. you, how do you sit in that? Well, because we're doing it for a reason. And um, we're creating a scale of how bad the pain hurts, how long it lasts, and does it cause any damage. And so when you were bitten by the spider or someone else is bitten by another animal, if it's something we put on the pain index, it really helped people not to panic because panic's the number one killer. People do all kinds of stupid stuff when they're bitten by animals. People get bitten by rattlesnakes and start cutting open their arms and just making it worse. Oh my God. And so we're hoping to arm people. And so that kind of gives us a little extra courage because to do what we're about others. to there's mm-hmm. a There's a reason for it because the, the whole... Uh, morbid curiosity that Adam and I went into this with, that's gone. That's been satisfying. When you originally yeah. started, was it to help people or were you like, we need to know? I think I think, <laughs> I think the the real reason we started was to, was to help people. But I think for us personally, we just wanted to know. We, we had so many questions and um, we've answered a lot, but we have a lot more questions uh, after doing this because. What's uh, the biggest answer you've gotten? <sighs> that is unpredictable. Um, this guide, this this uh, index will be a really good guide, but it's never going to be right on because everyone reacts differently. And so uh, we would like when people get bitten to look up that animal that we've already been bitten by and see what to expect. But at the same time, you know, maybe go get medical help. Don't panic uh, because some people react differently. A lot of times I'll be fine. It'll hurt and then there's no big reaction on my skin and Adam will be turning like red as a beet. And it's just because everyone reacts differently. Have you thought of hiring an assistant to take on the bites and you just do the notes? I would love a stunt. <laughs> Anyone listening, if you want to be a stunt double? <laughs> I mean, I, I I, just don't know. I get the helping people. I understand that. But I like just got sweaty hearing about it. Oh, I just, I don't think I could just stick my arm out. And, and know that it's like, coming. Oh. Yeah, there's no way. You've got to dig deep. But you know what? You do? Both of us get bitten and stung by every animal. One of us goes first. One of us goes second. How do you choose? Well, we Stars. choose by who's more scared goes first. 
Oh, that's that's a good idea. But mm-hmm. it kind of does you a disservice because you're scared and you have to go first. So that's right. terrifying. And then the second person who wasn't as scared sees how bad it was for the first guy, and then he has to go <laughs> next. <laughs> Going second is the worst, believe it or not. Uh, especially with a bad bite. You just see the person suffering for an hour, and then he's like, okay, I think I'm ready to sting you now. Are you ready? And, <laughs> it's oh terrifying. God. And since you were younger, did you always have this curiosity? Um, yes. You know, you get bitten, stung by stuff as a little nature kid running around all mm-hmm. the time. But maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I got a job at a reptile store. And as part of the audition for that job, I had to get bitten by a giant toke gecko. No. What and the, I was like, this thing is going to take a chunk legal? out of Probably not. They, they got closed down. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I, they didn't do that at the iHeart interview when I, they didn't. for my podcast. They were like, you have to see if you're going to get, I mean, that is crazy. I can get some geckos if you want. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I just can't even, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And then, so for the listener, if mm-hmm. they do have a fear of snakes or fire urchins or scorpion fish or bullet ants or any of these things, what should they do? Well, all I can give is my advice on how I got over arachnophobia. And I was sick and tired of flipping over rocks looking for snakes that I loved and then being a big fat freaking tarantula or something Mm -hmm. there and just, I'm getting the chills right now even. So I I couldn't even look at books with with tarantulas. So I started just putting my hand on a book and, and just praying like, God, it's not a real spider. I was I was that terrified. And then over time, I started seeing spiders in the wild, and I started touching them. You don't have to go to that, that level. I'm not going there. But just look at it. Looking mm-hmm. is very difficult. Getting out, and you'll see when you watch this show, none of these animals are coming after us, with the exception of the hippos. That's another story. Really? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. But it's when we started trying to catch them or or, or grabbing them, that's when they, they, they mm-hmm. hurt you. So, so if somebody's out hiking or you're out in nature don't go trying to touch wild animals they're there for a reason leave them alone don't insta story the mountain lion i I maybe would a boomerang would look really good though (laughs) might be worth it (laughs) yeah but people are scared of rattlesnakes when they're hiking on runyon canyon here in la Uh and stuff um and they freak out these things are not that fast. If you stand 10 feet away and can't outrun a rattlesnake, you probably shouldn't be jogging. <laughs> I mean, oh, they're really? so easy. To, the danger is they're so well camouflaged that you step on them. But if you watch where you're going on the trails, you're fine. Well, I grew up in the South and I was taught there was like alligators or crocodile. I don't know mm-hmm. the difference, but whatever. There were those things and they would come out and we were taught as kids that if one starts chasing you, that you have to run, but you have to zigzag <laughs> because apparently then they try to zigzag and then they they have these big bodies. Was that like an old wives' tale, or is that the truth? Like, was I zigzag running my whole childhood for no reason? <laughs> I think it's not that true. I've heard yeah! I've heard arguments about. Well, here's the alligators strike really well to the side instead of to the front. So when you start zigzagging, you're kind of lining my yourself heart up. My right? yeah. right now. I was lied to. No, I mean that is what they told us. Even when we we're on horseback, they're like, just keep it going, but go like in the zigzag motion. Who t- who started that? And who starts these rooms? Oh my gosh, I don't know. They are rampant. There's nothing like dangerous animals to start rumors that people will just believe right away. Oh yeah, I've never somebody, even looked it up. Yeah, yeah. I was dead sure that that was correct information looking at you. I felt confident. Oh, if now? You, if you told them you didn't believe it anymore, they, they would probably disown you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to do some additional research on this topic. Oh my gosh. You well, know, we always get, a, like if a mountain lion is 
spotted in the area, in the neighborhood, will get an email that says, things you should do if you come in contact with the mountain lion. And the first one is always, make yourself appear bigger. How? Eat? And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what do you mean? Like, put your hands, do you want to, what do you do when you come in contact with a wild animal like that? Well, with something like a predator like that, you want to look it in the eye. You might not want to do that with an animal who's defensive. But How do you know if it's defensive or not? <laughs> Good luck. No. Uh, with, with a mountain lion, look big, look in the eye. Mountain lion, it's, it's smart enough to know that, you know, you're kind of tall. Maybe you could hurt me. Okay. Um, and so if you're looking in the eye like I'm ready to, to throw down, they're not going to mess with you. And put your arms up, wave, make noise. They're terrified. You know, we, we walk on two feet. Which, so animals think we're way bigger than we really are. Well, I know coyotes aren't scared of me because they get in fights or they're trying to eat each. I don't know what they're doing, but they're very loud in the middle of the night. I live in the in the hills. And so they will be going at it. And sometimes I'm like, we are trying to sleep around here. So I'm like, hey, they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't stop. I mean, if they're trying like going after something, it will be hours of them just screaming at the top of their lungs. And I'm like, there's nothing that's going to stop this thing. No. Try to whistle. Mm -mm, they don't care. Nothing works, huh? No. Nope. Oh, man. They're urban coyotes. <laughs> yeah, they're, not, mm -mm. they're like, yeah, go back to bed. Try. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. You guys have to tune in. The King of Pain airs Tuesdays, 10, 9 Central on the History Channel. Thank you so much for coming, Rob. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Wow. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day.
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. What are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every. Grey's Ever. Now streaming on Hulu. And new episodes Friday. So it's Halloween week. That's mm. the impetus for this fear topic. Seems kind of appropriate. Um, there's a lot of fears when you're living in Southern California. We mentioned that earlier, how some are worse in LA than others. And one is the fear of brush fires because they are constant. And Katie Burr was supposed to be here in studio, but she is stuck on the 405 freeway because of these fires. Katie, are you there? I'm here. Whereabouts? Um, I'm actually uh, somewhere around Orange County. Oh, you're down you're south, down there. But it's that bad, yeah. huh? Yeah, it's been a lot of traffic today. Wow, yeah, the wow. whole city is a wreck it, right now because of these fires. It really is. And the traffic being diverted everywhere is just making it congested everywhere. I know. Even getting here, it's, I think because so many schools were closed last mm-hmm. minute as well, that you know, everybody's taking alternate routes and the people that have to get to work, they're like, what am I going to do with my kids? Because even if they're not affected in the fires, they don't have childcare. Right. So it's just adding such a dynamic, but thank you for calling in. Uh, I have to be completely transparent that I'm a little bit of a skeptic when it comes to the paranormal, unlike um, Jen here, who I, what have you recently just done? Well, I've had to have my house cleansed by a professional twice. And (laughs) I'm talking professional professionals speaking like straight from Egypt, speaking Arabic and uh, burning all kinds of different incense and making me jump over a a fire pot three times. And (laughs) (laughs) what what do you think of this behavior, Katie? Let's jump right into it. Well, what's going on at your house? First of all. Okay. So when I was pregnant, which was eight years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night because I felt somebody staring at me. And I looked over, I know I woke up, I was not dreaming. I saw an older man looking down on me. He was standing right next to the bed. And I just oh, wow. froze and said nothing and didn't move and closed my eyes because I was like, I, I don't need, I just can't. I just, I don't know what's going on. I knew that it wasn't a real person, but that it was some sort of entity. Or it wasn't ghost. familiar to you? He did not look familiar to me. 
but he looked like baseball era, like old, like he had like a. Had you just watched League of Their Own? No, no. So, (laughs) so cut to build it. (laughs) (laughs) So the next day, I called Esther. Her name is Esther. How'd you find her? Um, through a referral base. Yeah, no. (laughs) So Esther comes over. She cleanses the house. I'm pretty sure everything is okay. But you know what she says at the end. She goes, oh, my gosh. Well, she kept walking into my bedroom and the whole flame would go out on this mixture that she had. And she said, something's wrong in here. She said and she'd go out and light it, come back in. Flame would go out. Um, oh, wow. I know it was really also my marriage was like really ending. You know, so I was like, oh, it must be the marriage. It must be. All of a sudden she goes, there is an old man in this house. And. He is, we need to get rid of him. So she did that and then nothing, everything was great. The house felt like fresh and airy and clear and everything. And then my son was about two and a half and he started pointing into a back room all the time. And he would say, ghost, ghost. (laughs) He'd say, who is that? And I was like, oh my God, Esther, come get the ghost out. So I think we had another one. I do. Well, Katie, Katie's not out because she's a ghost. Or maybe she is a ghost, actually. Yeah. But she actually spent two weeks in an asylum that is said to be one of the most haunted places in America. So is it fair to say that you are a believer? Oh, I'm definitely a believer. Mm. I mean, I have a little bit of skepticism because, I mean, you just have to. You know, you can't just go full into this stuff. And, you know, we, we all try to, to disprove it first. Because mm-hmm. if you can, you know, if you can't disprove it, then you know that you're on to something. So it's good to have a little bit of skepticism. But after Penhurst, I mean, I, I was a believer before, but Penhurst definitely, I, it was next level for me. Can, can you tell us about your experience there? You know, it honestly was something that I just wasn't expecting. I, you know, I went into there and, um, you know, I, I've, I've been investigating for about 10 years now. So, you know, I've, I've feel like I've seen it all, but when I went to Pinhurst, it was just unexpected experiences that, honestly, I would have to say are life-changing. I think it was life-changing for all of us. Uh, I think it made us all reevaluate ourselves as investigators and just, um, you know, my take personally on protecting myself, that's a big thing. I, uh, I didn't really take that seriously before, and you know, going to Pinhurst and kind of experiencing just the, the darker side of things, I really started to realize this is something that you don't play with and you really need to go in there and just kind of take that a little bit more seriously, even if it's just taking authority. And so in the explanation of what we can watch um, on Annie, it says that some of you experienced physical attacks and saw full body aberrations. Can you Explain that to us. So, so it did actually happen. Um, so funny enough, we have a huge skeptic on our team. So Max is our, um, he's our geologist and he's very, very skeptical. And uh, it was really fun for me personally to watch him have his first experiences. Um, I was actually, uh, you know, sitting next to him for a couple of them. So uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if he will admit that he's a believer at this point, but he definitely has questions. Um so that that was really just a fun experience. But, uh, you know, other than that, you know, we did have some pretty dark experiences there. And, um, you know, I, obviously I can't give too much away. But, um, 
it's it's something like I was saying that it definitely changed even my view. And I've I've been around this stuff. You know, I've I've been around um, you know darker energy for for quite some time. But um, it was just really unexpected, and um, it it really just it it made me uh, just rethink how to handle things. Um, so I yeah, I'd, seeing like full bodied apparitions like that, I mean it. it it throws you off, you know, for sure. Could it be almost like a placebo effect, though? Like you see it happen to one person, you know, like somebody's like, oh, if you take this medicine, then you'll mm-hmm. feel better. And then all of a sudden you take what you think is a Tylenol, but really it's just a vitamin. You're like, oh, my headache's gone. Could it be something like that? Um, You know, you you might think that, you know, you might think going into a place like that, oh, it's ominous looking and, you know, you think you're going to see all this stuff. But to be honest with you, just from my perspective, I mean, I went in there thinking this is just like any other place that I've been in. I mean, it's it's definitely a huge campus. It's 110 acres. Um, you know, it's, it's really spread out. And the, the buildings are, you know, really creepy looking. Uh, but I just really didn't feel like I was going to experience anything different there than any of the other places that I've gone. I thought it might just be on a larger scale. Um, so, you know, not really looking for that and finding the things that we found, um, I can't say that that was something that, you know, I, I went in looking for. Did you all stick together or were you alone at times? And what about the crew? I mean, you guys were used to this, but was were the crews terrified? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a couple of them hadn't ever had experiences before, so uh, much like much like Max, it was fun to watch them as well. Uh, but we were instructed actually when we showed up at Penhurst to kind of stay in groups that it's dangerous to go off by yourself. So <laughs> I think that kind of added to the creepiness right away, you know, because you don't know what to expect. And I mean, honestly, stepping onto the grounds there, I didn't want to be by myself. Like I wanted to keep kind of my team around. Mm-hmm. Like we had the buddy system, um, kind of walking around there. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it was definitely a foreboding atmosphere. Are there certain days that paranormal activity really hits? Like, is there anything around Halloween that the listeners need to be worried about? I think that might be the placebo effect. I mean, we're really, it's not the day. I, I, it's more, um, I know people talk about the witching hour and you know, I, I, I kind of noticed that in my experience, um, that, you know, things do kind of pick up around 3 a.m., uh, but not always. I mean, I've had experiences during the day, just, you know, broad daylight when you're not expecting it. And, uh, you know, it's not like, oh, it's Tuesday at like 3 o'clock, everything's going to happen today. You know, it's, it's pretty random. I think it, it depends on, um, you know, what I believe, you know, ghosts need energy to manifest. So I think it really depends on the environment. It depends on what energy is there for, for them to feed off of. Can you explain that a little bit more? Ghosts need energy to manifest. So our energy well, I mean, we're all energy. You know, everything around us is energy. So, um, you know, they say energy cannot be created or destroyed. So when we die, I mean, there's still energy there. You know, your spirit is energy. So, uh, you know, those basically need um, some sort of energy uh, to feed off of to kind of, you know, manifest in whatever way. If it's a shadow figure or a full body apparition. Um, maybe just the noise that you hear, uh, you know, it, they definitely feed off of their environment and, and us as well. What are some of the signs that an energy is around you? I mean, there's so many. I, you can, you know, hear disembodied voices. You can, you know, maybe feel touched or just, 
you know, if, if you're more sensitive, um, you know, something that I'm kind of realizing that I am, you can just feel presence around you sometimes. And do you think children are able to, just because they, they, they still believe in the magic of, what am I trying to say? It's like they they can they believe in. Do you think they they're manifesting magical, it? Or like, well, they have magical thinking. Are they are they more apt to see a ghost because they're not like oh no that was you know oh that was the pots and pans that just you know fell in the cupboard or something like that like we would say. You know that is something I actually believe because I think as we get older we start filtering things out. You know as we get into adulthood. Uh, you know, you, you start playing into the kind of like societal norms where, you know, it, it's not appropriate to, you know, have your imaginary friend or, um, you know, to, to experience certain things. So uh, I think kids are kind of unfiltered still, you know, and uh, they, they, they don't they don't filter that stuff out. They're kind of, you know, still it, you're like what you said, like the magic around them, like they kind of still play into that. Right. So is there like one of, can you tell us a little more about maybe a place that you investigated in the past and some of the, some of the experiences that you had there since we're going to save the asylum for uh, our viewing pleasure? (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) It's worth the wait. Um, Yeah. I, uh, so the creepiest place that I had been to before Penhurst um, was actually a place in Pennsylvania. I did uh, when I was on Ghost Lab, and it was called Hillview Manor. And um, it was uh, it's a old kind of abandoned hospital, um, or just it was really like a home for the poor. Uh, but it's just it's got the the same kind of creepy factor that Penhurst has on a slightly you know smaller scale. And um, that was the first place, you know, when I did Ghost Lab, I, I wasn't really more in tune with my sensitive side the way that I am now, for whatever reason. But, um, you know, I, I walked in that place, and that was the first place I could honestly say I walked in, and I could just feel the energy. I could just feel the heaviness walking in there. Um, so it, it kind of prepared me for Pinhurst in a lot of ways. But uh, one of the things that happened while we were there, I was uh, I was kind of the ghost bait of the team, and they would put me in the in you know just different places by myself, and they put me in the basement by myself, and there was a big heavy door that had been propped open. We'd been there for three days, and the thing hadn't budged, and I was you know sitting down there in this old creepy wheelchair, and I had my video camera pointed at the door, and the door just started closing on its own right in front of me did you scream what do you do i actually i'm not a screamer i i freeze like a deer in headlights that's kind of my thing (laughs) so uh i just froze you know like i i don't know i get scared i don't want to i don't want to run away i don't want to you know make any noises so i just i froze and luckily i had my video camera pointed right at the door so i was actually able to catch it on camera wow I don't think I could be an investigator. You would be getting a lot of cleanses after this. I, I would. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I realize that's important. That's, that's one of the things that Pinhurst kind of taught me is that, you know, that whole protection thing, like cleansing yourself, maybe there's something to that. But we were talking earlier about fear and so much fear in our daily lives and fear with our kids and fear, everything from spiders to your kids' sickness, your kids out of your sight. When you're in a haunted situation and you're seeing something paranormal, how do you control your fear? Do you have breathing techniques? Like, how do you get through that? 
I think that's something that I'm still teaching myself, actually. Um, I I just try to stay mentally strong. I just try to kind of, like, talk myself through whatever's going on. I mean, obviously, as an investigator, we're the ones running towards the, the activity instead of away from it. But, I mean, definitely there's situations where my fear gets the best of me, you know, when you're not expecting something, which is, you know, so much of the stuff. And I think it's important just to kind of, you know, ground yourself, stay in the moment and just kind of talk yourself through whatever's going on. And if one of your kids says they see something, what is the best way to handle that in response? Like, what would you say as a parent to your child if they say ghost? Well, I think the most important thing is not to, uh, you know, question them, not to, to make them feel like they need to question themselves. Because I, you know, I've talked to so I many people. I mucked that up already, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's so many people that, you know, have, have grown into adulthood, you know, kind of being ashamed of experiences that they've had. And, you know, it's, it's kind of traumatizing because they know that they're experiencing it. You know, whether or not you experience it with them, whether or not you actually believe what, whatever's happening, they believe it. And I think it's important just to really be supportive of that and just kind of talk them through it. Okay. There you go. I, I, that was a hard pill for me to swallow, <laughs> but I, I'm taking it. Oh, thank you so much, Katie. That was so I everybody should tune in to the world's biggest ghost hunt, Pinhurst Asylum. It's oct it starts October 30th at 8 p.m. on Annie. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks. Thanks. I can't wait to watch this. Oh yeah, it's definitely worth the wait. Good luck on the freeway. Thank you. <laughs> I did have All one right. oh sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Bye. I did have one thing that happened to me when I was like 18 years old. Um, I had just moved to LA and um, this was like before I started going to church and all of these types mm -hmm. of things. Um, I went to like a psychic that was, I lived on Robertson and I just like walked in cause I was like, you know, I don't know anyone out here. The struggle is real, like whatever. Um, I'm going to go to the psychic. So I went and she told me all these things. None of them actually came true. Like that I was going to marry somebody with two first names. I've been married twice and nobody has two first names. Um, but she gave me these candles and she said, like, if you ever really want to do like a cleanse or whatever, she said, go in the bathtub and light these candles and think about all the things that you want for your future. And my sister was <laughs> down visiting. So I go into the bath and I'm like, I'm very serious about it. I tell my sister, I'm like, do not interrupt me for the entire time I'm in the bath. Listen, I'm taking, I'm doing these candles. I'm thinking about my future. I need you to just know. She's like, okay. So I'm probably five to 10 minutes into the bath and I hear, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's like, I just had one. And I'm like, Don't even. but as I open my eyes, my entire bathtub is black. <gasps> and because, well, I end up finding out that the, that the pipes had burst in our building. So it was like mud, <laughs> mud coming out through the things. But like we still laugh because then I'm like, get in here, help me. Because I'm like covered in whatever this That's is. Disgusting. And she is, I mean, we still laugh about it. She's like, remember when you did your candles in the bath and then you were covered in <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that, that was a good time. So, you know, but that was my last any kind of discussion about that. But yeah, that's my my one and only experience that it happened to, you know, anybody else that was taking a bath at 8787. <laughs> well, you know, there's also um, 
irrational fears, and we've talked about a lot of fears here, and they're also the ones that are bizarre, that are, to us, bizarre, and we mm-hmm. don't want to make light of them, but I remember Tyra Banks did a show, and she opened up about her fear of dolphins. She had a deathly fear of dolphins, which you think <laughs> you can live a nice life, because unless you're in the ocean, you're not going to encounter a dolphin, Right. but it's a legitimate fear. We've asked this on our, our face, one of our podcasts, Facebook group, a couple of times. Here's a woman right here, an irrational fear of bendy straws, and she's not joking. This is legitimate. She's afraid of bendy straws. Another well, woman is. Did they say why? Well, she does recall a moment that in high school, her friends thought it'd be funny to bendy straw her house instead of toilet paper her house or whatever. They bendy strawed her house. <laughs> oh they hung God. them in the trees like ornaments and skewered them sticking up out of the ground. And she had a massive <laughs> panic attack cleaning them up. <laughs> And she has a hard time with them. I don't know if that's... Bef- I don't mean to laugh, but... Exactly, but here's another... Uh, this woman has a fear of Band-Aids. She finds them disgusting and sticky, and they freak her out. My daughter's af- uh, afraid of stickers. Really? She, hmm. doesn't, she doesn't use the word afraid, but she's like, I don't want it. No, thank you. Nope, I am not interested in stickers. You know, they always give them to kids. Like, you're always. even at the bank, and, they, oh, and she's like, always. no, thank you. Like, she does not like that sticky texture. Hmm. But what is that? Is that just, I guess it's just a, a, a tactile thing. I think it's, it's tactile. a tactile thing mm-hmm. for her. I don't think it's like a fear, but she's like not interested in what happens when a sticker comes off and there's that like little residue. Right. That's like a hard no for her. But she's like that. She's funny about a lot of different textures. So I guess that makes sense. But stickers yeah. is the only like I like actual item. And do you feel like you need to fix this with your daughter? No, or? I'm totally cool with it. Cruz and Bella like the stickers and Slate's like, no, thank you. And I'm like. <laughs> Yeah. Right. She's not freaking out and screaming and crying and (laughs) running away. She doesn't mind if they have stickers. She's like, go suit yourself and get all sticky, you freaks. (laughs) And of course, we work with somebody who is deathly afraid of elevators. Yes. Mm -hmm. And flying. And flying in planes, which I think is pretty common, actually. And I was with her in Vegas when we took like 72 flights of stairs up to our room. Oh my gosh. Oh. Why? Do you also have an elevator issue or are you just being friendly? No, I just, it was, I was new to the job. (laughs) <laughs> you just you were like oh we'll be we'll, we're just going three floors I'm sure it wasn't actually 72 but I was like whoa but I, I mean I really I feel similar about my driving and my um and my parking garages but I my husband kind of tricked me he goes Teddy if I and I'm not even a car person he's like but if I get you a new car do you promise to like start driving three new places a week and I was like well, I don't really want a new car. He's like, well, I'm getting a new car anyway. But I, you know, I think you should start getting out of your comfort mm-hmm. zone because I would only drive. Oh, yeah. yeah, I would we only. We talked about this at lunch that Yeah, one I will yeah. only drive. I used to only drive about 10 places, like the places like my kids go to, mm-hmm. the grocery store, the barn, you know, you my workout exactly places. You where you were going I, to yeah. park. You, yeah. But recently I have, you know, the new car has just added to it where I've just said like, no, you're, you don't need to take an Uber. To go do this, mm-hmm. you know, but I do always have to do my investigation first. I have to figure out where the parking is, if there's valet, if it's a parking garage. Like for a while, I was like, I will just take an Uber. I came, I came in an Uber the first three times I came here. Mm. And then I was like, Teddy, you are wasting money. <laughs> like you could drive yourself. Right. The parking's validated. Like I started having to justify <laughs> it to myself because I'm like, this is actually a bigger problem because I want to be able to leave here and go run errands to the places I do like driving to and I'm creating a bigger issue Mm -hmm. in my life. So I think that's the key. If your fear isn't making a bigger problem for you, like I don't think stickers is a problem for my daughter, Mm -hmm. but sometimes not driving because I'm afraid of parking does become a problem for me. And I spend so much time thinking about the potential of having to drive that I'm wasting my time. Right. 
Like, Where you could already be there. I could already be there. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I worried about this so far in advance? Why am I trying to talk? Like, I'm already, I have to go to the dentist on Friday. I'm already like, maybe I should cancel the dentist. Wow. Like, I don't wow. know if I want to go because that driving, there's really hard parking in Beverly Hills. Is that, it's the uncertainty, the chaos of it? Because I yes. do hate that. I hate going new places. Oh, where am I going to park? What am I going to do? Right. Did and then you do park somewhere and it's expensive. And then you but get to the place. But how much time and- do you put into it? I mean, I've been thinking about this since last week. I've like almost mm. called and canceled. Like, right. it's not a huge thing, but it's in the back of my mm-hmm. mind. Like, should I just cancel? Like, I don't really need to go. I got my teeth cleaned five months ago, but they told me to come every six months. Like, should I cancel? I actually now that we've had this conversation I'm definitely canceling but <laughs> <laughs> but it's similar to addiction they say with addiction is if it's affecting your daily life that's mm-hmm. when you need to get some help right if right. you're not going to work because of your addiction that sort of thing it's the same with a fear if it's throwing you off your game mm-hmm. then you've got a problem and I think sometimes it's okay to have a gut instinct and to trust it because that's what I mean even when we talked about in the past podcast where the cults where they take away your gut instinct right. and that's mm-hmm. that's what saves our lives Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to trust your gut instinct. But if your fear has now crossed over to every part of your life and is making it so that you can't do something, that's where you need to start that. I forget what the, what's the therapy called where you you touch it like, or you, the um Exposure, exposure. Exposure, yes. Yeah. And where you start the exposure therapy so that you start getting comfortable with your fear or even talking about it. Some mm-hmm. people don't even talk about their fears. Oh, no. Many people don't. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm afraid we're going to have to end (laughs) end for today, Um, but I'm excited to get into next week's topic, which Mm -hmm. am I allowed to bring it up yet? I think we should. Yeah. Uh, What is that? It's going to be cheating. It's going to be cheating. I am very, I want to talk to all different kinds of cheaters. I want to talk to the man who cheats, the wife that cheats. I want to talk to the mistress and why she wants to cheat. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to, I mean, I have so many questions. There's been a lot of cheating things in social media Mm -hmm. and I, 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 we need to dig. And there are spouses that live in constant fear of cheating, justified or not, who never right. want to let their spouse out of their sight. And also, how much privacy or how much freedom do you need to be giving your partner? Well, like, is passwords and then track your phone? There's all mm-hmm. of these things. Is everything fair game once you're married? Or is it, do you still set boundaries? I can say with 100% certainty, I could hand over my phone to my husband at any point in time. Mm-hmm. If I said no, I would think there would be a problem. Mm-hmm. Right. And what is cheating? Everybody, you know. Oh, all this BS emotional cheating. It's all cheating. We got to get into it next week. There's micro cheating. There's emotional cheating. We have things to talk about and we want to hear your questions. So write them in, okay? TeddyT at iHeartRadio.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Teddy Teapot on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Staying consistent is hard, but it's important if you want to see results. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies right now, and they're one of the only brands that are committed to your health. They only use the cleanest and purest ingredients in their formulas. No seed oils, no preservatives, or toxins. Let me walk you through my morning routine. I wake up, make my coffee, and then make sure to fill my water with Symbiotica Pure Hydration before my early morning workout. They source the best ingredients from all around the world, and I've loved every supplement I've tried so far. What's even better is that Symbiotica makes it a breeze to stay on track. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. Ready to feel the results? Head over to Symbiotica.com and use code POD for 15% off your subscription order. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.